I think real estate investing is the fastest way to wealth. Yeah. Especially when you have multiple strategies. That's right. You can't save your way to wealth. That's right. Saving a thousand dollars a month, which sounds like a lot of money. Um, but you can't save your way to, you know, big, big wealth. Without Fear of Her Future podcast is for women who are passionately pursuing financial freedom, using multiple streams of income and real estate to accomplish their goals. We're here to empower you to be brave, dream big, and design a life that you love that inspires others to do the same. I am your co-host, Teresa Todd, founder of the Women's Real Estate Investors Network and author of the book, Without Fear of Her Future. And I'm Melissa Baker, a real estate investor and fitness coach specializing in turning properties from drab to fab. I'm here to help motivate and inspire you to build your dream life because, girl, you deserve it. Today, we are excited to introduce you to an extraordinary woman whose journey will leave you utterly inspired. Ann Curry is a mom and teacher who faced a crossroads when bills started to overshadow the life she desired for her family. Uh, But here's the thing about Ann. She is not one to back down. From barely making ends meet to now owning 250 units. That's amazing. 12 apartment buildings. Anne's journey isn't just a story. It's a pep talk for every woman yearning for financial freedom. Her journey proves that no matter where life plants you, you have the power to bloom. So Anne, welcome to the show. Anne, so excited to have you. Thank you so much, Teresa and Melissa. I'm so happy to be with you. And I love inspiring women like you do. So um, thank you again for having me. You we bet. are so glad to have you here today with us, Anne. Can we just start with you telling us a little bit about your background and what you did before you started investing in real estate? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm in Tacoma, Washington, which is 30 miles outside of Seattle. So this is home base. It's where I was born and raised. So this is where we've had our family and where we've done all of our investing. Um, so I, I was a, a preschool teacher. And I was making $5 an hour teaching school. And then I would go clean houses after school to kind of make ends meet. My husband um, is a pastor. So I married someone that was in the ministry. And we never thought that, you know, real estate would be in our future. In fact, I remember the day that my husband, we were engaged and he pulled the car over one day on a date and kind of killed the vibe when he said to me, hey, honey, you know, we're headed into the ministry life and we may never own a home. So we came, you know, we came into this relationship and marriage thinking maybe real estate's never in our future, but here we are 30 years later with all of those, um, those units. And, you know, the story in between is just a really, um, just a cool story about how I feel like I'm a person of faith that the Lord sent the right people to show me the way into real estate. And, um, but, you know, I grew up in a really beautiful family, but if there was any, um, any kind of concerns or, uh, you know, I don't know, any hard feelings in our family. It was always around money. So, mm-hmm. you know, like it couldn't make ends meet. I just remember my parents working so hard to pay the bills. And those were my memories in my young life. So yes. as I became an adult and I was making $5 an hour, when I had my first child, there was a turning point. And I was holding this little baby. He was, my son was eight weeks old and it was a clear as clear could be. But I just felt like this voice said to me, you need to do, you know, you need to do a different path. You're going to be responsible for your child's education and your retirement. I mean, it was just 
just as clear as that. It was as fast. Wow, I love and, it. And that was the moment that I thought, I've got to do something different. Um, so very humble beginnings. My husband and I were making $14,000 a year between the two of us. And we had two kids at home. Yeah. And we had a, our first mentor really was um, the pastor that my husband was working for in our church. And we, you know, we just kind of offhandedly said to him one day, you know, I know, you know, we're in the ministry and maybe we'll never own a home. And he stopped us right then and there. And that was one of my first lessons about mindset. And he said, well, wait, what do you mean? You may never own a home. And then he went on to explain how we could make that happen. And so, you know, fast forward a few months, we borrowed $6,500 from my husband's aunt, Sharon, and we bought our first house. It was uh, purchase price was $64,500, a little two bedroom, one bath. And we fixed up that little house. You know, it was a kind of a little fixer, but yeah. I had consumption in me and I, I knew that, you know, real estate was going to be part of my future. I didn't know how. And that would be one of my, one of my big messages is you might have the desire, you might have the inspiration, but the how isn't always apparent. But as you walk the path, the how yeah. is going to show up. And I feel like my last 30 years of doing what we've done and growing, you know, this I mean, almost everything that we've done hasn't always been apparent, like how you're going to do it, how you're going to fund it, how you're going to find the people, how you're going to do all those things, but they show up as you, as you walk along the path. So, you know, one of the other um, wisdom points that this first mentor gave us was not only are you going to buy a house and here's how I think you can do it, but I want what I want you to think about is when you buy that house, think about owning that house long enough that you're going to grow the equity in it. And we said, grow the equity. What do you mean grow the equity? Uh -huh. He said, fix it up, hold it long enough that when you're able, that house is worth more, you can pull the money out of that house. And I want you to go buy another house. Okay. So we're, you know, we're, we're just. Is this like, still your pastor that's teaching you this? This is the pastor of our I church. I love wow. this pastor. Yeah. yeah. Himself was in his seventies and they owned two duplexes, two fourplexes. So he had a small investment portfolio, but you know, this is, 30 years ago and he was in his yeah. 70s and wow. really what he was describing is what we call now a modern term called house hacking yeah. and for anyone who doesn't know what house hacking is you buy a house because you can buy it with a little you know small down payment three and a half percent five percent if you buy a rental you need 25 percent well we didn't have i mean we barely we didn't even have money for a three and a half percent down payment as you know, an owner occupant, we were able to borrow that money from our aunt. So that's exactly what we did. We stayed in that house for eight years. Then we had an eight-year-old and a six-year-old in a 950 square foot house, but we wanted it so bad. And yeah. we knew that here's this pastor who's just like us. He's a pastor in the ministry. He owns rental properties. We want to own rental properties. And that became our first how. So, you know, house hacking obviously wasn't a term back then, but that's exactly what he described. Yeah. And we, yeah. We went on to house hack a few times because we did it once. We figured out how it worked. Now it took us eight years to grow the equity and be able to pull that equity out and then go do it again. But we did that. I bought another fixer property. 
This time it was a little bit bigger because we had a six and an eight year old. We needed more space, but I bought the worst house on the block. Yeah. It was, you know, it had three bathrooms. None of them worked. We found tires in the backyard, <laughs> carpet in the backyard. This place was a mess. In fact, my real estate agent tried to talk me out of buying it. It was that bad. She sat me down one day and said, you should not be buying this house. This is a horrible <laughs> house. But I knew in my gut that that's what I needed to do to then go for mm -hmm. equity again. So then fast forward, you know, here we are, we've, we've got, you know, I say this in all humility, um, but the 250 units and we've done new construction, we build apartments, we, you know, renovate apartments. So that's a 30 year history. So I want to encourage all of our folks, you know, all our gals that are just getting started. When you hear, you know, what I've accomplished, that's over 30 years. Now, if I was going to go do it again, I know the shortcuts and that's why we have these podcasts, right? Yes. So we don't have to learn this stuff on our own and God bless having podcasts because <laughs> so many, you know, wonderful, there's so much great information out there that 30 years ago, you know, when I got started, there was no internet and there was no cell phone. So when I was fixing up this first house, all I really had was people and books from the library and um, my tip, which would be Home Depot, because I would <laughs> drive over to Home Depot and I would look for, and usually there were men, which was 30 years ago, everybody, yeah. but there were usually men who looked like they knew what they were doing and I'd find them <laughs> in the plumbing aisle and I would say, um, excuse me, <laughs> You know, I'm in my 20s and I'm a girl. So usually I would get kind of, oh, of course I will help. And I would tap them on the shoulder and just say, here's my problem. My toilet is, keeps running. What do I do to fix it? And they'd walk me over, show me the part. I would buy it. I would go home and I'd figure out how to do it the way they said I would. So oh, my gosh. It almost feels like pioneer days. Yes. <laughs> on the farm, they had to wash the clothes on oh. the clothes. Uh, but that, you know, sounds so archaic now, but that was part of our hum very humble beginnings. Um, so I am very empathetic for everyone getting started because you never forget what it feels like to be a newbie and you never forget yeah. what it feels like to be, um, I would call myself maybe least likely to succeed in real estate because we really started with absolutely nothing and just really had to be creative and lean on people and people that we knew that that did what we wanted to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. A turning point came when I met my second mentor. So this is after I bought my first, my second home that we had house hacked. And um, I was at a women's Bible study and a new gal came to my table and I introduced myself and I just said, you know, tell me about you. Tell me, are you married? She said, yes. And I said, what does your husband do? And she said, he owns 50 single family rentals. And I said, that's what he does full time. Now, remember, this was, you know, pre-podcast days and all that. So <laughs> it blew my mind that this man, you know, did full time 50 single family homes. That's all he did. And I just simply asked her the question, would you introduce me to him? So she did. And I just said, tell me your story. And would you teach me? And that would be the second, you know, important tip that I would say that helped me along this path that I really didn't know how to go on my own is simply asking the question, would you teach me what you know? Mm -hmm. And every single one of our mentors that came in, every time we wanted to scale up, that was my, that was my question to them. And mm -hmm. 
for seven years. He took me under his wing. I just said, hey, I'm I'm only making $5 an hour, so I can certainly volunteer for free to work for you and learn, you know, what, what you did and how did you do this and how did you accomplish 50 single family homes with rentals? And he was 15 years my senior and he was happy to take on a student that was super hungry to learn. And, you know, I, I mopped floors and I cut hedges and I, you know, I just did everything that I could for wow. free while he taught me along. And this is a, just a really fun fact. But at that, when I met him and he owned 50 single family houses, that, that became my goal. Someday, now I only owned two properties at the time, but I just wrote down on paper, I will own 50 single family homes. Oh, I love it. I left it near my bed and every night I would look at it. And I just said, I will own 50 single family homes. 18 years later, 18 years, there was um, a seller in town where I live in Tacoma, and they had 50 single family home rentals. <laughs> and they called me one day and said, we're going to sell. We don't want to put them on the market. Would you like to buy them? And my first answer that just blurted out of my mouth <laughs> was, yes, I yes. will. But you've been praying about yeah. that for 18 years. You that's knew a, it was a yes. That's a divine appointment yeah. right there. It really was. And I just feel like that's the way the Lord just smiles down and waits. Yes. You know, is it life changing? I mean, does it, but it, I think it's just the way the Lord just honors our faithfulness. I agree. I agree. I just have to say, and first of all, congratulations on all yes. that you've done. I love a story where somebody just starts at the bottom and works your way up and you're, you know, it, it was obviously not an overnight success. I mean, it's constant work and being willing to do mm -hmm. the hard things, the things were not fun. But I also love, we share your faith, obviously, yes. and uh, I love that it was a pastor who got you started. And then the, it was somebody in a Bible study who introduced you. So um, just getting close to God can get us close to success. And mm -hmm. then you declaring and believing I'm going to have 50 doors one day. And what I love about your story is that God does always, always does more. Then you can ask or think. So not only yeah. now 50, but is it 250? So um, this is such, I hope that our listeners are taking all of this in. Yes. First of all, you do have to do your share. You have to do the hard things. You have to have the conversations. You have to go out and cut hedges or whatever, uh, have the mentors, but at the same time, trusting and believing and letting God's favor shine on it. When you put those two things together, oh, it's unstoppable. Yeah, that's so right. Is you have to have the belief, you know, and you have to walk steps and you have to do the work. So I always say we're a partner with God, you know, he's not going to do it all for us. But as yeah, and I was just going to say, you know, my first reaction to do you want to buy these 50 houses was absolutely yes. No doubt about it. I mean, I was very confident. Yes, I hung up the phone and I thought, how? Yeah, because we had progressed in our real estate journey, but I didn't have the money to buy 50 houses in one, you know, one purchase. So mm -hmm. then it became another, you know, ask. And mm -hmm. I, I found a partner that partnered with me on that. And that became this whole really cool relationship. But again, it wouldn't have, it wasn't without a ton of work. I mean, 
this is a, I'm giving you, you know, a 30 second story really, uh -huh. but all of the steps was just, I mean, the calls, the, you know, putting it together. It took us 18 months to put the deal together because there are some nuances to it and it was kind of the seller's timeline and all of that. But, um, but yes, all of the work that goes into it. So um, that seller also had a 60 unit apartment building that they also wanted to sell. So yeah. here comes mentor number three. And I happen to happen to be no coincidences with the Lord, right? I happen to be at a found um, a fundraising dinner. And I sat down at a table next to somebody I didn't know. And I just introduced myself. And I said, you yeah, know, my name's Ann. What's your name? He said, my name's John. I said, John, what do you do? And he said, I'm a real estate developer. I build apartments. And a year before, I had written down on my paper that I want to buy a multifamily building because I only own single family and I wanted to move into that space. So I happened to be sitting next to a developer um, of multifamily. So we talked the whole dinner. I I, you know, I look back and I feel bad because we, we ignored everyone else at that table <laughs> for two and a half hours. We just talked real estate and then he just inter, inter, um, inter, uh, asked me to come to his office the next day and just said, come to my office and we're going to start this mentorship and I'm going to help you. So it's all through people. Nothing's wasted. Nothing. You know, you just you just have the belief and then you just walk the steps. Oh, I love it. Wow. I love it. There is so much gold there that I hope our listeners are taking there's really, all the little bitty steps. There really is. The thing that I've heard you say at least twice um, is that you had a vision and you wrote it down. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a scripture that says, write the vision down. That's right. That's what right. you're believing for. That's right. And That's then, and then also you are putting yourself in the right places. You're having the conversations and that's what opens the doors. All of that is so powerful. Yeah. Really all is. Powerful. They're all mini acts of faith, aren't they? I mean, even writing it down, because I remember writing down goals that were so much bigger than I ever thought I could accomplish. And it just felt very like, this is like, I have no idea how this would ever happen. But just uh -huh. the act of writing it down is the first act of faith. And then your second yeah, act right. of faith faith is, you know, asking for help and watching people respond to an ask. I mean, I think we can hint, I think we can have, you know, like very surface conversations, but the ask, yeah. will you help me is so powerful. And I think it elicits a response from people, especially yeah. like, I feel like in, in this stage of my life, you know, I'm in my fifties now and we've had this great 30 year run in real estate. We want to give back. I mean, it, it yeah. almost robs a blessing from someone else of giving back to you, right? Yeah. So I would rather have somebody ask and have me be also blessed by, you know, being in that mentor role or at least encouraging, just like we're doing here today. Um, yeah. Hey, you know, if, if I could do it, then anybody listening could do it. Yes. Love well, it. yeah, that is true. I was actually thinking about that. I mean, I, and that's what I'm hoping our listeners hear that you didn't start out with any experience. You didn't start out with money. You had to borrow money for that your very first home. Anyone can do it when you have the drive, the desire, the determination. Mm -hmm. 
you can do this. Yeah. That yeah. vision and getting a mentor. That was, sounds like it was yes. key for you. And you just, she just kept getting mentors mm-hmm. through and they just kept taking her to the next level and scaling. I love yeah. that. And for our listeners, can we talk a little bit about your portfolio? I know you've, you've house hacked and you have apartments. Can you tell us what other strategies um, you ha- that you invest in? Yeah. So yeah, we started out real small just with house hacking and moving from house to house until, you know, we could add enough cash that we could just go buy rentals with 25% down. So I was very much in that single family space for a long time until I scaled up to some small multifamily. So a duplex, a triplex, you know, a few quads. And then that real big breakthrough came with the 60 unit apartment building that, you know, was that came a little bit later. Um, we do multifamily cons- ground up construction. So where we just take raw dirt and we have been able to upzone it. So um, the last two pieces of dirt that we bought were zoned for residential, but we were able to work with the city to upzone it to multifamily. Um, and so those are in process of construction right now. We have a oh, five okay. unit townhouse project and those units will be for sale product. Um, we've done, I mean, I, I'm guessing maybe 200 flips in my career. Um, wow. and I have, you know, a, either, you know, between five and 12 of those going at the, all at the same time. And yeah. They do, yeah, the idea behind having the flips is the flips fund the rentals. Um, we're, you know, we're, are we're heavy into the buy and hold because that's our future. Yep. Um, and that's been able to fund, you know, um, my kids' education and these other things. So we're very much into the rentals. Um, I uh, bought the 50 single family home as a bulk purchase. And then two years ago, because of that experience, I had a seller call me two years ago and he had 164 units over 44 parcels. So it was like single family duplexes, a six, a six, a seven, a 12, a 12, a 14, a 20. So 100 wow. units. He was in his 80s and he didn't want to put them on the market. So he called a friend of mine. My friend called me and just said, are you up for you know another bolt portfolio? <laughs> and, and what did I say? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> myself, how am I going to pull, you know, how am I going to pull that off? Because that's much bigger than we've done, ever done in the few, in the past is like 168 units all at once. Um, so that was, that was, that was a fun purchase. And that was a very strategic, it was a lot of fun, I say, a lot of fun, a lot of hard work, but very much strategic because it was like kind of playing chess. Okay, we'll sell that one. We'll fix up that one. We'll, you know, we'll refinance that one. We'll date. So every property had its own um, business plan. Wow. Um, so that's in the mix there too. So we've really done um, almost everything you can do within the residential space. We don't do commercial. We don't do industrial. I believe you go deep. I've been able to go a little wide, but I like to go super deep on what I know. Um, yeah. That's my comfort level. And are all of your rentals long-term rentals or do you, do you dive into short-term and midterm also? Oh, great question. Um, I have one Airbnb in Arizona. So we spend some time in Arizona every year. Um, so I have one property down there that's an Airbnb, but otherwise it's long-term rentals. We have midterm rentals. Um, I think out of our portfolio, we have about six or seven. I'm growing that um, because I, you know, I see the need and we have, mm-hmm. 
three hospitals within five miles of everything that we own. So we're doing more of that. And it's been very successful. I like to test things out first. So um, we first tested it out actually on an apartment that we built above our garage. And we built, we built our house three years ago. And I thought we better build an apartment above the garage because the adult children might want to come home. And when they come home, they have their own space. <laughs> but what I found was the adult children did not want to live in their own space. <laughs> so we had this apartment above our garage. And five years ago, when um, midterm rentals, you know, kind of started making their scene, uh, we tried it out. And that was my kind of experiment with midterm. Mm-hmm. And it's been for five years, it's been um, um, amazing. Um, so we're doing more of that. And uh, in this portfolio that I bought, we're definitely doing more of that because it's, you know, within a half mile from the hospital. So love our midterm rentals. Wow. Yeah. I mean, very diverse. Yeah. Diverse in the residential space. Like I said, we don't do, yeah. Commercial industrial is not, yeah. I don't know enough about that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Well, I have to ask um, about the flipping. I too have flipped five to eight properties at a time. And boy, it's so difficult to manage. Do you have a secret? How have you managed that many flips at a time? Yeah, um, great general contractors. So that 50 single family house project, those were all flipped within 21 months. So I was the listing agent. I was the designer. I was the um, I was the overseer of all the GCs. But that's when I really um, got really good at overseeing a multiple ge- um, general contractors, yeah. and we had to be very, very, very organized. So I'd say yeah. really great GCs, and then making the decisions and making them quickly because you don't want to be sitting on these houses. So having the design plan. So I I um, worked on just setting up a design plan. So everything is on there. What kitchen sink, what faucet, what tile, what flooring, what, and I put it all down and sent it over. And I just said, I doubt you'll have any questions after receiving this. (laughs) You call me. And rarely would I get a question of what do you want here? What do you want there? So Mm -hmm. that became a really good tool. Um, But just having those really good relationships and also being very good back to them I've found that I've been able to retain really great general contractors because they like to work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because, you know, I don't let it, I don't let things get to me. I think at first, you know, when bad things happen and bad things are going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. When you're working yeah. with next, you're going to get bad news. And I think I had done enough where the bad news would kind of shake me up, but then, you know, you get a little bit more used to getting bad news. So <laughs> Um, you know, later on, I can take bad news, and we can solve it quickly, we can move on. So yeah, yeah, having those really great relationships, and then picking your projects, you know, wisely, I think in this market, especially it's a little, it's become a little tougher to make those margins for flips work. So I think there was a good like 12 month period, not too recently, where I just, I didn't buy anything because I, well, first of all, I had that big portfolio. But even if I had, finding them with the margins that make sense for a flip became a little bit more difficult. So you really have to ride the market that's working. Um, And so what is the market saying that is going to work? And then you always adjust. And I agree. Yes. Love it. So somewhere along the way, you also became a realtor and a broker. I mean, was recognized as a top 1%. 
so tell us a little bit about that. At what point did you decide to go get your license and what have you done with that? Yeah, such a great question. So my first um, single family mentor, my 50 house mentor, um, he was a broker and he was my broker. He helped me find my deals and, you know, and I felt comfortable in that because obviously if he was vetting them, then I could have confidence that they were going to work. But eventually, you know, after about six years, he just said, you know, Anne, you're ready to stand on your own two feet. Um, isn't it great when people believe in you and, and they see things in you before you even see them? Yes. Yourself. But to have somebody say, hey, you're ready to do this. So I got my license so I could buy and sell for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were, you know, buying rentals, but buying flips. And then I could represent myself. And, and that was just a really good move. But didn't take long for friends and family to say, hey, can you help me do what you do? And by then I'd had enough experience that I felt, you know, very confident to kind of lead them in what mm-hmm. I had done myself. So then I just really loved working with people um, because when you can help make them homeowners and you can teach them the rental game. And I just really loved that part. So I just stacked that into, you know, another pillar of what I do. Um, and it's been such a great tool, not just to be able to work with clients, but you know, you're able to search properties yourself. You could do comps yourself. I mean, just, you're just able to do so many more things, but my husband, um, and I really tried to just live on his income alone, um, for, you know, a big chunk of our marriage. And so anything that I would make for commissions, which, you know, it was kind of petering in cause I wasn't out there to try to be, you know, the big agent, um, in town. Yeah. But the commissions would go back into buying rentals because, again, yeah. you know, we were we were all about the buy and hold. So that's been a wonderful tool. So if anybody asks me these days, should I get my license? You know, I want to invest. I say absolutely, because when you can reinvest that money and, and use those commissions. So it hasn't always worked out that way. I mean, that's the ideal. But uh, but it was really good for that. Yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. So looking back over your investing career is there anything that you would do differently if you could go back? Yeah. If, if I could go back, I would do what I'm teaching my 29 year old daughter. And I would, and what I'm saying to her is Lauren, you only need five. You only need five rentals. And let me kind of explain what I mean. So we got, you know, we got started and I got the bug and I just kept going. But you don't have to be a full-time real estate investor to change your wealth dynamic for your family. And what I mean by that is we live in an appreciating market. So Seattle, you know, we see that, you know, 7% appreciation. If you just looked at history, okay? So this isn't a promise. So nobody quote me, (laughs) it's always going to happen. But if you look over the last 50 years, you know, Wash- Tacoma, Washington, Seattle, Washington has doubled in value about every 10 years. So let's say, you know, Lauren buys five houses in the next couple of years. If those houses double every 10 years, imagine you have just one and you buy it for 500,000. In 10 years, it's worth a million. In 10 years, it's worth 2 million. How many of those do you really need? So as your tenants are paying them off and your in your balance mortgage balance is going down, of course the rents are going to trend up. That's the history. But if you live in an appreciating market, do you, I mean, do you only need five? 
to really change the wealth yeah. dynamics of your future. Yes. If you don't want to do what Ann Curry has done and, you know, invest full time and make that your full time gig. You know, if you're a, you're a full time mom, if you're a nurse, if you're a teacher, like I was, no matter where you are, if you just do five mm-hmm. and you let those houses pay off and you own them for the long term, you could cash those in when you're ready to retire or you want to pay off kids' college, do whatever you want to do. So if the the advice I would give my younger self is you should have kept the first five houses that you bought yeah. and you would, you would be there. You really wouldn't have had to do anything more than that. But, you know, we were scaling and I don't, I don't look back. I don't look back with any regrets um, because we can't live in high, with hindsight. That's right. But now you're teaching this other generation, I would say just do five and just pay off over time. And if you're getting started later in life, you know, the same dynamic can occur. You won't have the gift of getting started when you're in your twenties, but even if you're in their thirties, forties or fifties, a decade can go by and in the appreciating Mm -hmm. market, you're going to see your mortgage balance going down and your um, equity going up and, you know, you can make a big difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think real estate investing is the fastest way to wealth. Yeah. Especially when you have multiple strategies. That's right. You can't save your way to wealth. That's right. Saving a thousand dollars a month, which sounds like a lot of money. um, But you can't save your way to, you know, big, big wealth. Absolutely. Yes, that's true. Um, And we talk a lot about um, our legacy and leaving a legacy with our families for our families. Can you talk a little bit about um, a legacy and what you plan to leave or what you would like to see with your real estate investing for your family? And what, and what aspirations do you have moving forward in the future? Yeah, that gets me really excited. So now you're going to get me really jacked up. (laughs) um, When my husband and I were, you know, newly married and, and entering the ministry, and I wanted to start doing some real estate. We said to ourselves, the ministry is going to give us a life of meaning and lasting meaning. Mm-hmm. And real estate is going to fund all of our other things. It's going to fund our life. So mm-hmm. now here we are 30 years later, and my husband um, is able to work in the ministry full time uh, as a volunteer. So that was one of our tier one goals. Um, and so we're very active in supporting our church. We were able to buy a church building four years ago um, mm-hmm. as private individuals um, so that the church doesn't have that burden. And so, um, so this, yeah, so definitely we got started on the legacy piece, even though I don't think, you know, in our 20s, we really understood what all of that would mean. But when I felt like I heard the voice when my, my son was eight weeks old, I think this is what God had in mind. You know, I don't think it was just, hey, you're, I think what I understood was you're going to take care of kids' education and retirement. I don't think I would have understood if he had elaborated more and uh-huh. said that you're also going to, you know. So I, don't, I think our, he gives us what our minds can kind of comprehend. Yes. But the legacy piece has, you know, really um, come very clear to us over this last 30 years of being in the ministry and also being private investors of how we can mix those. But, you know, the, it's a life of meaning, but the real estate, you know, kind of funds, funds all that. I have a brand new grandbaby, a little baby girl. And so thank you. That's been super fun. And 
so when I think about Ronan and I think about my kids, you know, I, they watch us, my husband and I work hard and they mm -hmm. see us taking, you know, I'll call risk or chances and yep. trying to make things happen. Right. Um, in ministry and real and in real estate. And I, I am grateful to say that I feel like that has been passed down to them because they're out in the world trying to make things, you know, great things happen. And they're, little budding entrepreneurs and they just have a, you know, the heart of, they understand the ministry and the heart for loving the Lord and loving his work. So um, that has been to me, one of the greatest gifts of all of this now, fast forward 30 years later. Um, but I want, I, that's what I want for them. I don't want to just pass down, you know, a real estate portfolio. I want to pass down like the mm -hmm. hunger, see what working hard and smart and, you know, taking, taking action and taking some risk can do for you. Um, and they're, they're on their way for that. So, and that's what I want for baby Ronan too, just to see oh. us out there, you know, trying to make stuff happen and, and awesome. teaching them to fish and not just giving them all the fish. Yes. Know? Oh yeah. my gosh. Yes. I love everything about that. You know, we always say that I believe that we're blessed to be a blessing. That's right. And yeah. that with the wealth that God has blessed us with, that we are to create impact. And it's yeah. not just about us holding more things up, but you able to pay off a church or buy a church. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. That's yeah. what matters. Yeah. And that's true. really what's going to give us satisfaction, not a bigger house, not more things, but yeah. when we're able to give back in a meaningful way, that's what gives joy to our own life. Absolutely. We're all, yeah, we're all in agreement on that for sure. Oh, awesome. And we like to ask our guests for three takeaways. So what, what three things would you advise an investor or entrepreneur who is looking to be brave, grow their business, um, or maybe someone who's stuck? What would be three things that you would tell them? Yeah, well, number one, and we kind of touched on this, is I would say, you know, ask, just, just be bold and ask. Um, you know, it's finding some someone that's doing what you do, someone that you admire, and just simply asking the questions, would you help me? Um, and I think people respond really well to that. I would also say, um, number two, that this is a get rich slow um, process. Real estate is not get rich quick. And if anybody tries to sell you on that, I know that there's, you know, it's very sexy to, you know, advertise, you know, on social media or, you know, YouTube, that man, you can flip a house and it's so easy and then you can retire and, you know, live this flamboyant lifestyle. And in reality, that is just not so. So I always say this is a get rich slow, which sounds just very, you know, counterintuitive to what people want to hear, but it's the reality, right? Well, that's the alternative is not <laughs> yeah, get rich at all. That's I the other know. alternative. Yeah. Unless you're granted a magic wand that really works, you know, it's, this is a, process where you just have to be very dedicated and do yep. the steps. And then the other thing I would say is just never quit. I mean, yes. this has been a rock and roll ride where things don't always go your way. I, I can tell you the story of when I said yes to those 50 single family houses, we got, it was a year and a half to put this deal together. And the week before closing, uh, one of my partners called me and said, Hey, I've had, you know, kind of a change in my finances and I can only afford to give you half of the down payment. The next day I was supposed to get on an airplane to Hawaii for my big 
family's reunion. And I had this meeting the day before and I'm supposed to close the, you know, right after I get back. So, you know, I just kept my composure, but inside I was just dying and I needed to raise $900,000 in a week. So on the airplane, you know, it's just not, it's, you know, not a fun process. You know, you're, you're flying to Hawaii, but all the while you're thinking I got to raise $900,000. So I'm putting together this prospectus and I'm working all the way on the plane. And then everybody's out at the beach and I'm in the condo making phone calls and trying to get to Starbucks because my condo doesn't have internet. I mean, it's just very, <laughs> if, you yeah. stop, if you stop at the walls yeah. you'll, and you can't break through, you just, you have to break through all of the stumbling blocks because they're going to come, you yep. know, they're going to come and you're going to have to, um, you're going to have to break through them. And what I would say is just don't stop. I mean, if you, Ooh, you love it. Them, keep going, it might not be solved, you know, instantaneously, but just keep working on it. Kind of like those, the ball of, you know, uh, Christmas lights, you have to like just peel uh, one back at a time. And yeah. Unravel. And that's what real estate can feel like because it's just not going to go the way that you always want it to. But wow! Well, obviously, you raised that nine hundred thousand dollars. I did. (laughs) Actually, yes, the Lord was also gracious to me. I actually when I was flying back from Hawaii after making all those phone calls and spending most of my time in, in my condo, I actually went home to have three meetings with three interested people. And I had to turn two of them down. So I had two two very disappointed people that, you know, I had to say, you know what, I chose this person instead. And it all worked out the way it should have because that's amazing. Yeah, that partnership became a very, you know, very long term and we've done other stuff together. But so, yeah, so it just may not go the way you want it to, but you just got to keep going. Wow. I love that. God so is so good. good. Yes. Well, what an inspiring story. I've loved hearing all of it from, from going from nothing to where you are now and how you just stayed in contact with God all the way through it. He's still using you. It's a, it's a wonderful story. And yeah. it is, God it is. God is our source for sure. Yeah. We yes. People are, real estate is, but God's the source. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. Teresa, I want to hear your biggest takeaway. Well, my biggest takeaway is two things. First of all, your faith. I love that. That That's the key to everything. So I hope yes. our listeners are just holding on to that. God wants you blessed so that you can do amazing things. So you got to believe that. And then second is the tenacity to not give up when hard things happen. I have never, ever, ever talked to an entrepreneur who was successful that did not have major setbacks. That did a horrible, you know, some yeah. awful things happened along the way, and we can become victims at that point and um, give up, or we could just keep trudging through, which is exactly what you've done. So, thank you, and thank yeah. you guys for what you're doing for women. I just honor you for that, and and I'm just a huge fan. So, thank you for having me. Well, but thank, thank you. For what you do. Thank you. Thank you. Well, and I want to keep up. I want to continue to hear about what you do and. Congratulations for everything and and I bless your future. Yes. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Ladies. Yes. You bet. Well, if you have not subscribed to the Without Fear of Her Future podcast, well, hit that subscribe button today for new episode reminders. 
Thank you for joining us today. On behalf of the Women's Real Estate Investors Network and Teresa Todd, I'm Melissa Baker, encouraging you to be brave and dream big. <laughs>